All right, and welcome to the show. This upload is coming to you December the 7th, 2016, and you're listening to the Post Money Plan Podcast. This episode is hosted by myself, Dallas Post, founder of the Post Money Plan, as well as Murray Williams and Tom Dickens. Today, we're going to be discussing the minimum wage. Since the subject has been gaining momentum behind a call for a $15 minimum wage in the U.S., so we thought we'd address the topic. Murray, if you could just introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Murray Williams, and I'm a former stock and bond broker and economist, and I'm also a, an emerging fund manager as well as a published author, and I hold several securities licenses, including the Series 65. All right, and Tom, if you could introduce yourself. Yeah, Tom Dickens. I'm a commercial insurance professional. I come from the Austrian School of Economics and Libertarian Political Philosophy. All right. So I thought we'd just start out by defining what we mean by minimum wage, referring to the lowest wage that a company is legally permitted to pay an employee, which is a government mandate. There's also the difference between a federal minimum wage and a state minimum wage. And in the case of the U.S., an employee is entitled to the higher of the two. In this podcast, we're going to cover a few different topics within the subject of minimum wage. We'll start with the reason for the recent rise in discussion around a $15 minimum wage. Then we'll talk about the intent of those who support and oppose the minimum wage. Then who the minimum wage actually affects, the history of the minimum wage in the U.S., and then economic arguments for and against the minimum wage. So, either one of you want to talk about the recent rise? Yeah, the recent discussion has been to create a minimum wage of $15 an hour that started in the state of Washington area. And it's basically the same reason that they've always pushed for a minimum wage increase is to really help poor people. That's really the discussion. A lot of it is, is how this minimum wage will affect, or how the increase will affect business, especially fast food workers. Not just fast food workers, but all other unskilled labor. Basically, the minimum wage affects really unskilled labor the most. And mostly Democrats are in favor of increasing the minimum wage, and Republicans oppose that. But the argument is really to help poor people. It's more of like a political kind of, I wouldn't say chicanery, but political posturing to say, well, we're the party of the poor because we want to increase the minimum wage and put more money in the pockets of poor people. And that's pretty much what the whole discussion is about. A lot of people will, when they describe minimum wage from a virtuous angle, mm -hmm. they'll say that it's the minimum wage that someone can live off of, is what they say. Right. This is the wage where the bare minimum necessities or the bare minimum lifestyle is affordable is at this wage. They're posing on raising it because they believe that the cost of living has gone up and therefore the minimum wage needs to go up. I would just add on to that, echoing what Murray said. There's this growing sense that people have of a feeling of, of wealth inequality between the rich and the poor. Noticeable at different levels between the stock market and the real economy. People see the stock market going up but don't feel difference in the real economy in certain levels, especially in the bottom levels. Well, they're completely uncorrelated. Yeah. Exactly. But like you guys both said, there's this social justice aspect of desiring to reduce poverty, but it also comes down to a class struggle for power. In Karl Marx terms, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. So it actually comes back to a debate of capitalism versus socialism or communism. I find minimum wage, it sort of has the same problem that a lot of these left-wing economic theories are. It always sounds good. 
the face value sound of it is always, oh yeah, make it so that people can afford to live. Of course that's a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. But when they go about it and they force job suppliers to act in a way that they wouldn't normally act, it actually can have negative effects or opposite effects to what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, and like Murray said, I think it becomes a, a political leverage point and unfortunately almost becomes a condescending way of pandering to the mass. One of the arguments is they say that, I think Tom brought this up, is that they say, well, you can't really support, a minimum wage worker cannot support a family on a minimum wage salary. Like you can't support a wife and support three kids and, and all that. The truth is, well, of course you can. But the thing is, is that minimum wage workers are not supporting fathers. Usually supporting fathers make more money, otherwise they couldn't support the family, period. And minimum wage workers are mostly younger people just kind of starting out in life and just unskilled. Yeah. If you're an unskilled so, laborer, too, you probably shouldn't be having three kids, is the other thing. Yeah, easier said than done. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go on to the intent of those who support the minimum wage. Like we've kind of been saying... There's this social aspect of wanting low earners to be paid more of a quote-unquote living wage, which seems like an ethical approach and has good intentions, but in my mind, it's kind of has the... The opposite effect. <laughs> well, yeah. The way I see it is, is like biting the hand that feeds you. So like in technical terms, if you were to open up an economics textbook, they will even disagree with minimum wage being a sort of effective, what is called a price floor. Minimum wage is a price floor where your employees are the suppliers of labor and the company is consuming the labor. When you put a minimum wage in, you're setting it above the equilibrium market price or you're setting it above the market price that the market would want, would gravitate towards, and you're effectively creating unemployment when you do this. There's more people looking for jobs than there are jobs available. Instead of paying two people $7 an hour each, you have to now pay one person $14 an hour. You've created one less job. That's exactly right, and it becomes basically a wash. It's the politicians who are in favor of increasing minimum wage. They say, well, we're going to put more money in the pockets of poor people, but in fact, it just becomes a wash in that, well, yeah, we'll increase the wages of some people, but they're going to have to lay off half our workforce, according to, to some companies who employ minimum wage workers. I think what's similar to it is the idea of a government devaluing the currency because they think that the cheaper price will boost exports. But in reality, if they, they devalue their currency 50%, then producers are just going to double their prices. <laughs> I mean, so it just ends up being just completely foolish. What we're seeing in Venezuela right now, it just created a mess down there. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. The prices go up. People always forget about the supply side of economics whenever they make government step in and take action. You see this a lot with the student loans bubble that's occurring right now. You know, by putting, by putting guaranteed government-backed student loans, it skyrocketed the prices of schooling. You can come in and say something that sounds really nice, like everybody should get an education. It sounds great on the surface, but in the reality is it just causes prices to skyrocket. It's the same thing with minimum wage, right? You're saying people should be paid more. They should have a minimum amount of what their time is worth. They should be paid more so they can have an affordable living. But what you're actually doing is you're creating barriers of entry into the market for the people who are worth the least, and you're destroying jobs. Like I said, you could pay two people instead of one to do a job, and it actually has the adverse effect. That's exactly right, yeah. And the prices of the products that are produced go up, so the consumer suffers. 
let's cover real quick in terms of the intent of those who oppose the minimum wage, because I get the feeling from people who support the minimum wage that they feel that people who oppose a minimum wage are just greedy and selfish and don't care about other people or especially poor people. But that isn't the case at all. Yeah, I actually legitimately think that poor people would be better off if you got rid of minimum wage. I'm coming from a noble perspective as well. I think everybody thinks uh-huh. that they're on the side of nobility whenever they're discussing minimum wage, but that's the problem is it's counterintuitive. It sounds like you don't care, but when you actually do, you actually have to start getting into the arguments to really prove it. I mean, I started thinking about who really benefits from the minimum wage, and to be honest, the only type of worker that I think can actually benefit from a minimum wage is actually unskilled agricultural laborers because these are people who are unskilled They have very limited mobility. Like, for instance, let's say the country goes through a harvest and, of course, landowners are trying to get their crops harvested. So they hire, this is back in the old days, of course, they hire unskilled workers to go and pick cotton or or what have you. But And so workers obviously want to go to whatever company pays the most money. And so, for instance, people who, who live in a city have access to transportation. They can say, well, they can shop their services around because they even have access to bus routes. But if you're like a, a migratory agricultural worker and your your mobility is limited and, and farms is just so well displaced and so separated by great distance from other farms, I mean, it becomes difficult to really shop your labor around. So that's really the only in favor of the minimum wage that I can really see. Yeah. Well, I completely agree in, in the sense of what Tom said, where in most arguments, people think their perspective, they have a noble right. perspective and that they have the best intentions or that it is the right position to take. And, and that's where it comes down to making a case for the arguments, which we'll get into later. And in my perspective, when you look at the arguments for and against it, it comes out pretty clear in the end that raising the minimum wage actually hurts the people it's intended to help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And especially when it comes to the fast food industry and how they want to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour. In fact, I, I saw an article the other day that McDonald's are going to start putting kiosks in all of their, a lot of their stores to save on labor costs. You're going to get the higher minimum wage is just going to create fast food joints with just a line cook and some kind of robot serving customers, which seems very impersonal to me. Yeah, a lot of people seem to think that minimum wage is some kind of a wealth redistribution action as well. Like, these companies are just swimming in money. These top execs at McDonald's, they're just running at margins that are 40% profit margins. The reality is, like, most companies, they run a slight margin of profitability above their expense level. You know, you might get the exception. Some companies run ridiculous profit margins, but... For the most part, if you're looking at something like McDonald's, if the price of beef and the commodity market goes up by like a few cents, it's like panic mode. They have to reshape how they do everything. You know, like the slightest change to their bottom line causes massive effects in the prices of their products, the portions of the products they produce, the amount of people they hire, the wages they pay for people they hire. So it's not really like a redistribution of wealth because they have to go make it up somewhere else to make those margins. And it's usually increasing prices or getting rid of people or closing down certain stores. It's not like there's all this free money that everybody can, that these people are hoarding, and then you add a minimum wage law, and suddenly that money gets shared to poor people. It doesn't work like that. Right. Either they increase prices or they lay off unskilled labor and create more automation. So that, yeah. that's, that's the result of a minimum wage increase, basically. Real quick, let's just 
designate who the minimum wage is actually affecting currently in the U.S. because there's actually a lot of ambiguity and incorrect perceptions around that. So I took a look at the Department of Labor, Bureau of Labor Statistics statistics from 2014, and there's actually only 3 million people in the U.S. that are at or below the federal minimum wage of $7.25 an hour which is about 1% of the U.S. population or 2% of the estimated labor force of a little over 150 million people. So it's a smaller segment of the population than most people would think of. But that's not to negate those people because, I mean, they're still valuable just the same. But over 50% of minimum wage earners have a high school degree or less education. So they're mostly very low educated and then about 70% of minimum wage earners are younger than 35, and 50% are younger than 25. So it's mostly young people with not as much work experience. Further, just about half of minimum wage earners are in the food prep and serving industry. So that tends to be jobs that are not only less skill and knowledge base required, but they also tend to be jobs that include tips. So there's that aspect to it, too. Yeah, I mean, serving food really doesn't require a lot of skill. I mean, you can pretty much do it. You just got to have a good attitude because I've waited tables before. And, I mean, it's hard work, but it really doesn't take any kind of education or skill to really learn how to do. When it comes to restaurant prep, as far as line cooks, yeah, you got to have a certain cooking and culinary knowledge. But as far as the actual serving itself, it really doesn't require a lot of skill. Yeah, and by raising the minimum wage, you create, you said it's currently it's uneducated people, but... When you raise it, now suddenly they're going to hire educated people. You can hire someone to flip burgers for $9 an hour who's uneducated. You're going to hire them. But if you suddenly have to pay 15 or $20 an hour, you're going to pay for someone with a university degree. You're going to pay for what the labor is actually worth. You're not going to pay for $9 an hour worth of labor and pay them $20 an hour. You're going to pay someone who's worth $20 an hour $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, right? That doesn't help poor people. That doesn't help people trying to enter the labor market. Yeah, in sociology, there's the Davis-Moore theory, which is basically what you're saying of higher paying jobs require more skill and are more difficult than lower income jobs. So you naturally have that phenomenon. Why don't we move on to the history of the minimum wage? Murray, can you take that? Yeah, in the United States, it was FDR that first put the minimum wage in place, which happened in 1938, and it was 25 cents an hour. And then steadily through the years, the minimum wage increased. And the last minimum wage increase was under President Barack Obama, up to to our current federal minimum, which is $7.25 an hour. Steadily has increased through congressional action over the years. But going back to the history of the minimum wage is sort of like we're talking about the intent of what it's really supposed to do, who it's really supposed to benefit. The first minimum wage was actually put in place in New Zealand back in the late 1800s. And it wasn't until 1938 that the minimum wage was put in place in the United States. I remember my stepdad telling me, because he grew up really poor, he was the son of a sharecropper. And he said he would get up early in the morning and go and pick cotton and he would get paid 50 cents a day. That may sound horrifying, but 50 cents a day back in the year, probably 1940, was $3 or $4 an hour today. So it may not be as bad as what he claimed it was back then. As I, my earlier point, the only people I think it could benefit is probably low-skilled agricultural labor. But even then, we have 
the phenomenon of automation. So there's been a lot of automation in agricultural harvesting, especially these high-tech machines that can actually go and do the harvesting for you at a much more efficient rate than hiring unskilled labor. So it even affects unskilled agricultural labor. There's some pretty interesting history about minimum wage. It's a pretty dark history. A lot of people don't like to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And 1925, minimum wage was passed in British Columbia. And the intent for it being passed back then was to uh, price the Japanese immigrants out of the job market and protect white workers. And Mm -hmm. this was also done in South Africa, actually, to uh, price black workers out of the market and protect white workers. So there's actually like racially motivated reasons for minimum wage in history. And of course, Mm -hmm. this is something that people from the liberal philosophy would not, they, they want to avoid that at all costs. But it just kind of shows how it really is an aggressive law to price out certain groups of people so that they can't use their labor. And I don't know how that's a good thing. So you mean that, for instance, in South Africa, they wanted a minimum wage increase to incentivize people from not hiring black people and instead hire white people? Yeah. Is that what you mean? To protect the white workers. Because essentially you're arguing that white workers made, or they were more skilled, and so you could just put a floor on the cost of labor to guarantee only white workers. Yeah, I guess I see I see that argument. Yeah, black workers were willing to work for less money, so then they were iced out by saying, no, you can't pay them what they're asking. Yeah, ah. This is the least amount you can pay people. Yeah, I mean, Forbes wrote an article on this back in 2014, April 2014. It's got a pretty, pretty nasty history about the minimum wage, so. That's interesting. I've never heard that viewpoint before on it. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's just how it's been spun, right? Like now it's not so much protecting a certain labor force now as the claim is now that you're financially enabling a labor force or whatever. It's a totally different spin now. Right. And then in the U.S., like Murray said, when it was set at 25 cents an hour, inflation adjusted, that's somewhere around $4 an hour in today's terms. So it's actually about 80% higher now than it was when it was first set in place. So in real terms, significantly higher. Back a few years ago, people were arguing for a $10.10 an hour wage. Now they're talking about 15 And those proponents will typically refer to 1968, when if you inflation adjust, wages were at a little over $10 an hour. But that was actually the highest point in U.S. history since the minimum wage has been enacted. So that's why it's kind of cherry-picked as a reference point. And a lot of the results of the minimum wage increase are the result of moving manufacturing jobs overseas, especially like unskilled manufacturing labor. And this is one of the causes of the rise of Donald Trump, because all these jobs are locating overseas, and so you have lower cost of labor. So, for instance, the automobile parts manufacturing sector has almost completely relocated to Asia. It used to be Japan, but now China has pretty much a monopoly on manufacturing auto parts, which used to be the Rust Belt. The automotive sector used to be a thriving economy, thriving industry, yeah, not Michigan. just... Michigan. Michigan used to be a huge, huge economy for auto. That's right, but also for uh, Ohio, you had a lot of manufacturing plants as well, and not mm-hmm. just auto assembly, but auto parts, talking like brake rotors, brake pads, and things like that, which are almost exclusively made in China now. The low labor cost is part of the reason, I'm sure, but I think there's something more than that. There's some kind of reason why that all these aftermarket auto parts are being relocated to China, but I haven't really put my finger on it yet. I think it comes down to a cost of labor thing. I was kind of coming to the end of my notes. Do you guys have more thoughts rolling around? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd like to encourage people who listen to this broadcast to really talk more about the minimum wage and, and get both sides of it. And we should start a more lively educational discussion and an economic discussion on how the minimum wage affects the overall economy. So I think this is a very constructive discussion today. Yeah, I think that's a good point. All right. Well, that pretty much wraps things up. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Post Money Plan Podcast.